Hey guys, I hope everyone's doing well today. This is a Skype conversation between Mark, Chris, and myself, and we just try to break down 2020 and see if we've had worse before or if things are going to get worse. We talk about a lot of different things uh, concerning human development and just society as a whole, and we come up with some really cool points. So I want you to take your time to listen to this episode and, and really just take it in. It's about an hour and 40 minutes long, so break it up if you need to. And as always, if you had any sort of questions, comments, concerns, or corrections, don't hesitate to reach out. All right, let's get it. The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, often objective, and sometimes comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please, 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 throw your listening device in the trash. If not... Enjoy the show. Um, I'm thinking about just doing a, 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 what is it, a tubectomy? So that she still has her normal hormones, but she's not, you know, able to reproduce. Sure. But, you know, we'll see. That's cool. So, uh, as we had discussed before, we... Uh, kicked off this episode um i want this to be about the different perspectives that we have on 2020 um as we had said my thought was that should have been worse than this uh our society humanity in general has i feel like we've gone through worse chris you believe that it uh it's going to get worse (laughs) and and uh mark i what I kind of felt like your your stances just for me knowing you is that it's it's not so bad right now. We're pretty fortunate as we are. Is that, we is are. That we are. And of course, yeah. we are speaking of privilege. We always want to be able to uh, be mindful of that and let people know that we are speaking of, you know, from points of privilege. But yeah, I wanted to sort of just all three of us sort of give our different perspectives and um, I know even on multiple episodes, I've been like, yo, fuck this year. But one of the things that actually kind of hit me this this morning was like I got up and I was like, shit, it's things have certainly been been worse. You know, uh, just going back and I'm, I'm a history buff. And you think of, you know, the early 30s, Great Depression. You see that kind of stuff going on. You see, you know, there's this funny quote that um, uh that I read here and it said like, if, if the years were people, right. Um, this is, this is what the quote says. It says, uh, hello and welcome to the holiday calendar year support group. This is our special Thanksgiving meeting, uh, which due to the coronavirus pandemic, we're holding over zoom. Please keep all of your comments on, uh, on topic, keep them clean and keep them kind. Also remember no crosstalk. Now, 1933, where would you like to start? 1933 says, yes, I think I have a few. And then 2020 cuts in and says, excuse me, I hate to interrupt 1933, but I've had a really rough time this year. My therapist says I need to get better about meeting my emotional needs. So I'd like to go first. And 1933 mm-hmm. is like, yeah, I don't know what a therapist is, but I assume you meant bartender. Yeah. So, <laughs> I thought that shit was pretty funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like they didn't good. have outlets back then. To, yeah. to go and talk about things and obviously the depression mm-hmm. was going on and and how did we even cope with any of the shit back then you know yeah um, i want to sort of 
bounce off from that point. I've got a couple different points in our history to talk about, but um, that's just one little thing in the grand scheme. Things have been certainly worse, but um, who yeah. wants to go and talk about like their point of view? Uh, well, well, Harry? I mean, I have, I have to, obviously I have to, to, to take it out in abstract terms and say that one it's always a moving target and the objective of society if if we're if we're living within the, we're all experiencing this this subjective uh thing together we're all bearing witness we're alive at the same time whatever um you know the there's a lot of subjective elements to what one would consider worse or better because again you know, with civilization, society, and progress, human progress, the objective is to continue to streamline, make progress, figure out ways to su sustain things, um, ethics play a role. Um, and then you also have to think about an end game. Like, what are we doing as a species? Where are we going? Um, in my opinion, also, if you look at people in 1933, those people were not only themselves a different type of person raised by different types of people in a different time, um, but they also, you know, the, the individuals that they came from, the value systems that prepared them or didn't prepare them for what transpired are far different than what we have now. So mm. I would make the assertion that we've never been more helpless as, as a population, as a species. The average human has never been more helpless than they are in 2020. Without the, without the benefits of indoor plumbing and electricity and, um, you know, everything that goes along that is that we perceive as positive about society, the benefits of living in a quote unquote civilized society, they, the byproduct of that is it makes us soft. It just does. We're more domesticated. We are the, the lot cattle, the, um, the dairy cattle compared to the auric of our ancestors, which an auric, I don't know if anybody's familiar, but the auric was a, it was the precursor to all domestic, bovine species or bovine breeds it's now extinct but it was a large aggressive bovine and like wolves to dogs same kind of principle there genetically speaking you know they can they can reproduce they have similar roots derivation but you can't let your your golden retriever go and fend for itself in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's entirely 100% dependent on you and is hardwired for that. It's even Dogs are better at, at, at looking at for social cues than species that are considered higher up on the intellectual spectrum. They can look at a human's face and determine emotion and oh, work yeah. off of that. that. We are their society. We are what mm -hmm. they, they look to. Well, similarly, us in 2020, um, myself even fucking included, like I get I get down on myself because like people are like, oh, yeah, Chris, Chris goes out in the woods and he knows how to do all this and all that. 
the more that I learn, the more I know that I don't know shit and, and how helpless and at the mercy of the slightest fucking thing that we truly are. So I, again, if you, if you parse it out, yes, things have been worse, but we, we, in some ways things have been worse, but you can't apply those rules to those same rules to the people that are existing today. Because if you throw cataclysm upon a much more dependent group of individuals, things are going to fall apart way worse. And there's a lot more of us too. think about the grand scale and how precarious things are. It could go downhill quick. And, and again, I'll wrap this, my first little opening diatribe up, but I, I just, I really, I look at it in terms of the direction that we're going and there's storm clouds on the horizon from an environmental standpoint, pretty much, scientists across the board are projecting us to have massive famines in the coming decades. So my assertion is, is not to, it it isn't so much to not be appreciative and not acknowledge that yes, our ancestors had it way worse in some ways. I would say that our ancestors didn't necessarily have it worse they just didn't stand on sho- the shoulders of giants as well, much as we do. And, and as a result, uh-huh. we, have, we have the ability to be even more equipped than any of our ancestors ever were. But we're yeah. not fucking doing it. But hardly, I also think... I think that the, any of us are. I think the reason for that, though, is like we have the capability right now to end famine. We have the capability right now to give water to countries. We just don't fucking care to like, that's what it comes down to. Like, I don't think that the, our problem is any kind of lack of resources. I don't know if it's, maybe it's a lack of empathy. Maybe there's no financial, like, uh, there's, there's no, there isn't a big enough benefit. That's the real shame about our, our economic system. We could fix all of these problems if we wanted to. If you, if you yep. remember what happened earlier in the year when everyone thought we ran out of food and they thought we ran out of toilet paper and they thought we ran out of all this shit, we didn't. We ran out of tr- like the, the the interstates were too they were they were too crowded. Like we it was a logistical problem. It wasn't a, a short of a shortage of any food. We have more food than fucking everyone. Like we can feed the world sure if we do. want to. We just don't have the it's it's a logistical problem. We didn't have truck well, drivers. And that shows how precarious things are though. Mm-hmm. And that this isn't even this isn't even remotely as cataclysmic as things are. Or, or could potentially get, I, I say yeah. are, but mm-hmm. could potentially get. This is far fucking from it. And honestly, things are, they're, they're pretty goddamn bad. They're bad for an enormous amount of people. And I almost got on Facebook and made a post about telling people to develop skills outside of what is conventionally valued in society. Develop skills that are centered around personal efficacy and also develop a side hustle. Mm. But then I got kind of tired because I'm like, I'm experiencing some ennui as a result of everything that's going on in the fucking world. And like you said, Kalu, 
we have the ability, but nothing's happening to remedy it, which mm-hmm. to me, in, in my opinion, is very much an, uh, an indictment of how bad things are as opposed to how good things are. Well, we're too, we're, we're so comfortable that we haven't been pushed to the, the, the point of discomfort where we start doing things like seizing the means of production, you know, as they did in, in, in Russia and, and in other places. We haven't been pushed to that point because we have TikTok and we have all yeah, these other things to keep us satiated. We're cattle, man. We are, but yeah. but when they, but the individuals, the population of individuals that that did that, that stepped up and you know seized the means of production, um, they were different than us. They had a different tool set than we do, and. Tech technology, it, it serves its role. It's uh, it's super fucking handy to have a cell phone and just be able to locate whoever, whenever, if that you know, if they respond. But you know, we're old enough to remember when we just had a phone at the crib, and mm. I we didn't even have a goddamn answering machine or caller ID or nothing back in the day. We just had a phone, and and what we we accepted that as normal. Now, when my internet is slow on my fucking phone, I start tripping. And then I have to catch myself and be like, this is whole shit, Chris. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, and I'm justifying, but it's one of the reasons why I'm I'm a bit obstinate regarding um, technology. It's not something that super fascinates me. I, I feel a lot more, and this isn't like some some like personal empowerment, like, go hug a tree type shit. But I feel entirely more empowered and fulfilled when I'm out in the woods doing hood rat shit and identifying different species of mushroom and edible plant and finding sources of food and things like that on my own, starting fires using, you know, a bow and a stick and a piece of cedar and some kindling and stuff like that's the kind of stuff that I'm, I find personal empowerment with everything else. Like, it's it's like they talk about with weightlifting with cardio and weightlifting if you're trying to to develop like cause bodily development cardio should be the icing on the cake and not the cake itself well when we're talking about humans building themselves we got to start at at the foundation you got to start the cake so to speak has to be the individual's personal efficacy the knowledge base that centers around the most rudimentary, rudimentary things, building a fucking fire. Who can build a fucking fire using a bow, a stick, and a, a little cedar plank? How many people do you know have taken the time to do that? And you can figure it out in one motherfucking day. But if cataclysm strikes, we have all our goddamn pants down and not only our pants down, but our b-holes pointed at the sky. And it, there are so many of us that are so dependent. And, you know, I always have this call back for mechanical solidarity. And that's not just for the sake of everybody being happier. It's for the sake of not eliciting panic and chaos because under organic solidarity, when one crucial organ fails, the entire system begins to fail. So again, things are cool right now. Like, yeah, like, and, and especially amongst us, I'm not going to lie. Like 
everybody else is struggling super hard. And in 2020, I've made more money than I have in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I made more money in 2020 than I had the past two years put together. Sure. And that's because I did it. I did the thing. I, I had the time. I'm, I'm working from home. I formulated ideas. I figured it out. And there's some scary shit going on. But it, it, it just is very confounding to me um, and difficult for me to draw comparisons between what our ancestors or even people in recent history experienced on, on a macro scale. We're not talking about like specific groups and things like that, but on a macro scale, we they were more resilient individuals, inherently more resilient creatures than we are today. So we are much more vulnerable to that collapse. And as you said, even our infrastructure, our economic system, our ethical system, in no way is geared towards serving the populace. It's just not. Sure. Mark, I want to know your thoughts. Like I said, I, my assumption is that you're of the mindset like it's it's not that bad. Is, is that right or or what? yeah, kind of me? Yeah, yeah, I think so. For the most part, of course, I have you know mixed feelings and positions about everything. Uh, we had this uh, this little exercise we would do at my last job amongst the guys at the office that we 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 would ask. Um, if the apocalypse were to happen, how quickly could we get back to something like 1990, you know, or even 1980, uh, 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 something like 2000. And, you know, some, some guys would say, depending on, you know, the degree of the collapse, we'd never get back. I was like, Hmm, that's pretty interesting. Um, I never felt that way. And the sort of collapse or societal breakdown that we are due to experience is going to be a good one for us. I feel that the people in the 20s are our ancestors that we speak about that were a bit more hardened, experienced way more environmental hardening than was necessary for them to be hard. They went through a long two decades of it, two or three decades of it. It, it don't take that long, a few years, and we will adapt quickly. But we are due for less cataclysmic collapse, but the same degree of hardening. So I think it would come turn out better for us. I think we're super duper ready. I think we're watching enough Walking Dead and Alone and uh, Survive This, Survive That shows and the crazy amount of information we have that we would spring back much quicker than we think. You know, we wouldn't just be, you know, falling apart wearing skinny jeans on unicycles, you know, not knowing (laughs) what to do with ourselves. I think we would snap back together much quicker than we might think. Although we're so comfortable now and our distractions are so robust that it doesn't look like that. But I'm given to think that we would be all right if the fucking grid collapsed. We would be quite all right. We know what to do. Things will start to rebalance. We would not have the capacity to indulge and fatten ourselves up like we are. So you'd be relegated to more um, balanced behaviors. (laughs) Just because it, the, things wouldn't be available to you to indulge, you know what I mean? There's no, there's no uh, stadium football game to go to, so you might have to go to a festival or something to, in the in the damn sta- stadium instead. Instead, you know, and that's that's what I'm thinking. My, my, the question is, how much and and when will that occur, and how much will it take? But I'm still like to think that if it, if not for the distractions that we have, 
we could be do, making incredibly like a lot more progress, if you want to call it that. And I think the character that our ancestors had, we're not as far removed from that. We're soft. Yeah. But I think we could, we will adapt quickly if, if we had to, because we've got all this information, all this know-how and all this general health. You know, if you weren't eating sugars and umami every day, we're, we're a pretty healthy generation. Like we don't have diseases and childbirth and stuff knocking us out and fucking up our numbers. You know what I mean? We can, we can do really good if we just weren't so distracted. So I think I'm curious as which one will happen first, the environmental impact of some sort, some sort of climate thing will, will hit us and we'll have to reconcile that. Or will there be like a collapsing of the higher order indulgences that we take for granted, which would all would still would be helpful for us. So, yeah, I think it's like, it's bad. It's better than we are able to register because of how comfortable and distracted we are, how sated we are. But the world is better than it's ever been at the same time, you know? Mm. That's an interesting take to to think about it. I mean, yeah, you're right that there are, there are quite a bit of people that have that I I know of countless people that have their you know, and I'm doing my air quotes like their survival kit or whatever or that at least an idea of one because they walked they watch a bunch of walking dead, but I will also say that there is a world of a difference between people who think they're ready to do some shit and then actually doing it. Um, oh, yeah. you know, for the longest time I thought that you know, even even shooting a gun is different. Like it was while I had fun, I always wanted to have, you know, a gun for my uh, of, of my own and everything. And I've shot them before. But the moment that I took it seriously in terms of like accuracy and all that kind of shit, I realized that I can't properly hit a target 25 feet away from me, you know, mm-hmm. and and that is that's some scary shit you know what i'm saying and i think that the majority of people couldn't hit a target 25 feet away from them and i have a bigger respect for guns than i think most people who have way more guns than i do have well you you know i went through that this summer and it's funny because you know i only just started taking my gun seriously this summer and um and i and i had the same experience except i became proficient in a very short order I went to every gun, well, not all of them, there's a month, ton of them, but half a dozen gun ranges, and I just kept going. I was actually feeling kind of silly and embarrassed of walking in the same one. That's probably that's part of the reason why I kept going to different ones. I didn't want to look fiendish. I don't know why <laughs> yeah, I care, yeah. but I, I kept going to different like you're ones. training to kill some people or something? Yeah, kept going to different ones, and now I'm light years. I feel totally different about guns. I I, I totally understand what the what the big deal is now when people are saying that they're regulating the wrong way. I totally agree with that. Now it's weird how as soon as you get interested in it and you want to do something, you see what it takes to get the firearm that you want. You're like, Oh, I see what the bullshit is. This is stupid. Like I can, I can put this suppressor on my gun, SBR this thing right now. And as long as I don't tell anybody, it's just there. But you know, if I do it legally, I got to send in the paperwork and get a stamp. It's stupid. And the gun is just as deadly when it was a pistol as it was when it's a wife. You know, it's the same, but I I quickly came to understand all that. I'm saying all that to say that I think that's what would happen with most people. I might just have a bad perspective on what, where most people's minds are at, you know, Mm because I live in a privileged world. I'm in the, 
you know, I'm in the other part of the world now, the the corporate working suburbanite people. But for me, it was a few weeks and then I felt totally different, mm-hmm. you know, and now I know how to shoot. I can hit something at 25 feet with my irons. Yeah. And <laughs> and I think most people, most people would, would turn out like that. You, you don't think so? No, I don't. And I grew up like, bro, I had, I had a BB gun in my hand by the time I was five years old. Like I was running around popping birds, doing all kind of shit. I got my first shotgun when I was eight years old. I've been training my whole life, dog, like prepared marksmanship, field dressing animals, all kinds of shit. And then now, like when I go out and I interact with people, like I'm friends with people that do like try gun challenges and marksmanship challenges and tactical training. And mm-hmm. I, even with the skill set that I have, which is light years ahead of the average individual, I feel unprepared. I feel unprepared. And also the fact that we're having this conversation to me is an indictment also of the fact that our society is going to turn towards violence. All lots of societies are going to turn towards violence whenever shit gets bad. And there's going to be a lot of culling of the population that goes on the population of the, of the world 200 years ago. Do y'all know what's the world population now? Right at 8 billion, right under 8 billion. Okay. Do you all know what the population of the world was just 200 years ago? I'd probably say 1 billion. Yes. 1 billion people. So we have 8 billion people on this planet. And then not only that, we have this this very precarious structure, interdependency and structure that's set up. Whereas, again, the entire paradigm back, you know, even if we talk about the 1930s, it was a because their norm, even when things were good, when you round a corner and things are good in times of of feast versus famine they still were utilizing a system of mechanical solidarity rather than organic solidarity so any way you cut it um some measure of cataclysm collapse hardship results in people reverting to you know i'm gonna protect mines i'm gonna defend mines and even discussing like think about all the the bullshit and well, didn't even necessarily bullshit, but all these motherfuckers hollering about civil war, modern civil war and this kind of stuff. The fact that the human mind goes there, I think we we would do well not to discount how ape-like we are. And then you put us in a modern world with semi-automatic weapons where we perceive resources as becoming more and more scarce. You're going to have a whole lot of... And, intelligent primates running around wreaking havoc and what you will have is those who are prepared or more prepared are going to very much outpace and i I mean basically eliminate those who aren't prepared the helpless individuals yeah and And i don't know if you detected or not but uh we're coming back around to that thing aren't we do you see it coming? The Cronus Complex conversation. Mm. Do you see it coming? Oh yeah. A- okay. Absolutely. I wanted. Go ahead. Continue. I wanted. A- absolutely. Though, I wanted if it's, you saw that because I, I feel that make a connection being made there. <laughs> absolutely. It, it's what it's what we're very much seeing right before our very eyes, and some of it is histrionics, like 
people that don't understand how sociological phenomena work yeah are just straight up reverting to this clannish okay yeah. i'm gonna defend mines i'm gonna do mines take care of this handle this and obviously me you know working in the field that i work in and being the type of individual i am i'm much more of a collectivistic type person i want to i want to have utility and work in conjunction with other individuals whose skill sets complement my skill set and us work in terms of cooperation. But I think that we, us here on, on the podcast, thinking that are much more the exception than the rule, even if people say otherwise. And, and when we think about, okay, have y'all ever heard the saying, uh, the average male is a hundred percent less effective in a fight than he thinks he is. No, but I can believe that. It's true. Motherfuckers be like sitting in their head. People that haven't been in an actual fight or haven't been in enough. It's fights. my mentality, bro. I just won't stop. Just like <laughs> that's my mentality, bro. I call it mentality bros. Have you ever ran into mentality bros? Oh yeah. They're, they're the ones that can whoop anybody just because it's their mentality. Yep. The, the but, I wish a motherfucker would type. Yeah, yeah, and and but that and again, that's a that's a much more rare thing in the era of domestication, too. A lot of people it's a luxury to, to even be a pacifist. That's a luxurious stance to be like, no, I'm pacifistic. Like yeah, like I understand being nonviolent, but pacifism, like straight up opting out, like thinking that that's even a fucking option is delusion to me. Like you have to, in my opinion, make the allowance for the, the fact, the, the notion, I won't say the fact, the notion that there may come a time where you have to step up and you have to defend yourself. You have to de- defend those you love and your resources that might even happen again that's been way blown out of proportion for fucking ever by yeah the the crowd that we talk about motherfuckers who manifest the cronus complex yeah that they that they have to shepherd things and you see shirts that like um I am the sheep dog, and they're th- that kind of sh- yeah. silly bullshit. That one, that one cat, uh, Richard Spencer or whatever, he says it pretty blatantly, pretty pretty honestly and, and direct. And I'm glad he does because I always wondered if that's why my people and my ancestors uh, were, I don't want to say easily, but so effectively conquered. Because mm. I think um, a lot of the co- conversations come down to that fundamental thing of I just don't think that the majority of the population of the planet is willing to go to that degree. It just doesn't even occur to me that that's necessary. So yeah. am I delusional? Is it, do I have a lower IQ? What is, is something wrong or something missing for me? But I've, I've wrestled with that since maybe I was a sophomore junior in high school because I got, I don't know. I, I wonder if the, the lack of propensity towards violence as a means to an end oh, yeah. is missing from me is a deficiency on my part as a human being. Am I more human because of that or am I less human? Well, Are I these think... recent contributions from the the 
the conquerors of the Western world a, an evolution of humanity? Because the contributions are unmatched, especially technologically and, and with regard to resource uh, allocation and, and mastery, uh, they're unmatched. But is it really a virtuous contribution? We're certainly on our way to destroying the planet because of that conquest. Because right. of that. So I don't know what to make of it. Well, well it, I think it, that those people there that, that weren't, you know, where you were talking about the like, ancestors not having that propensity for violence is something that we've talked about before. It comes yeah. down to resource, resource availability. And one of the things I was going to actually bring up was that I don't think we would be having this same conversation if we lived in Japan. Like I think that, and and one good example was after the tsunami hit. I think it was it twenty fourteen or two thousand four. One of those, or, or no, it was whenever the the tsunami hit, and then there was a nuclear that that meltdown or some shit like that. Yes. Do you remember seeing how fucking civilized and calm yes. and yes, and like they and they're elderly. Their elderly yes. were volunteering to go Absolutely. into the uninhabitable zone and yes, take there care is of a. Shit. Because they knew that they have a higher chance of dying, so it's like we'll go in and sacrifice stuff. There is a big difference that that mm-hmm. is in our American society, where it's mm-hmm. that very same European mindset of man versus man. Where I think hey. that in in these other cultures, they recognize themselves as being a part of the whole. That's why they'll fucking destroy hey. you for littering. You know, Look, what I mean? I got, man versus I got, resource. I Yes, I man versus say, resources. The Western um, yes, um, yes, man axiology. Versus, sorry. Man hey, versus I, man is what everyone else has, including Japan. Well, I, I got, I gotta say though, man, it really, really, really was not very long ago that Japan were ferocious fucking conquerors. They were goddamn yes. dragons. They were. The Chinese still have bad blood against the Japanese uh-huh. because of occupation and stuff. Yes, Japan, yeah, Japan King, I remember Japan, that. Japan was profoundly imperialistic forever. The mm-hmm. roots of, of Japan were just steeped in that. And it took it. I mean, and, and I, now I'll go ahead but and say it. Do you know where that came from, it, Chris? It, do what? Do you know where that came from? That, that desire for expansion, that desire for militarization, that like all that stuff, it came from Western, it, from yeah. Western <laughs> influence. When mm-hmm. Americans went over there and started trading with them and started literally getting rid of the samurai culture, the Bushido mm-hmm. culture, when they got rid of that and said like, hey, look at all this shit we have, it, of course it's going to make you hungry. Of course it's going to make you want more. Like it, it was, it was almost a no-brainer. Anyone would have gone and, and gone after China, but then when you get drunk with that power, what happened in Nanking is is the shit that you run into. Where if you if you and if you readers understand about Nanking, that is essentially a second Holocaust that not many people talk about. That is some fucked up shit that the. This Japanese is why I love the the, May, the Meiji era, which yeah. a lot of lot of favorite anime is actually a sat. Well, I don't know if satire is the correct word, but a characterization of that era where there was a huge Western industrialization influence in the yes. uh, like middle late eighteen hundreds, like eighteen sixty in Japan, and it's like you, the magic of this one culture is disappearing. Like yeah. you still got samurais and Maroni kitchen running around, but yeah. they would encounter a soldier with like a Colt with six a shooter. Yeah. yeah it, and that's a fascinating thing to me. When you're a kid watching anime, you don't know that's being portrayed, yeah. but when you get older and you learn the real history, it's yeah. a really fascinating time. I'm no historian. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I find that contrast of culture. Yeah. So interesting because it it says in so many ways in the little small stories yeah. of the anime, this is what was changing because you would have yeah. this guy 
going through fighting and winning, and then he would just encounter a guy that was just like, dude, I got this gun. Like, I ain't swinging a sword with you. And it would be the, it just was poetic. But yes, anyway, yes. that's the era you the, streak, you know. What the, about Jangus? What about Jangus, though? What about Jangus? Oh, Khan? much, much earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it, this isn't yeah. this phenomena. And you know what? It's, we have to focus on one thing at a time in order for us to make sense of it, obviously, because like right. there are this like almost unimaginable list of variables that, that culminate. And it's hard to really put, you know, an entire civilization or an entire society over time into a specific category. But, um, yeah, like the Mongolian empire, yeah. like they, well, I, I, I dare say that, that Genghis in, in many ways was, obstinate from western influence compared to what he had going on he was very trepidatious even though he did allow like religious pluralism things like that but there's a lot of death and destruction that's still left in the wake of these holistic things and you have to wonder if 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 the western world all they got to do is make contact with another group in order to elicit something like imperialism amongst that group. Does that mean that the social element, the socialization element is the more profound element then? Or is that genetic predilection already endemic to the individual or endemic yeah, to the population? Absolutely. I think yeah. both are going on. Yeah. And just and just takes a catalyst to elicit that type of predilection in that population. Yeah, and I think it's measure it's there's a formula for depending on how old that population is, how genetically old they are. The older, the less influenced by that they will be. I think the longer you're on this planet, the more peaceful you'll become. And a lot of what we're talking about to get us to bring us back around and tighten up to why I brought that around is are we are we advanced or are we not? Are we going to, are we going to be, which one are we? You know, there's this, there's this perspective that it's a matter of fact, like it's an inevitable reality that there's going to be these cycles of violence. And I just don't think that has to be necessary. There's only two civilizations, you know, ancient Egypt, ancient Nubia and China that's ever accomplished that in a documented historical way that they reached a non, no need for war. There's only been two, you know, two um, civilizations recorded to ever accomplish that but um you know i i still think it has a lot to do with the fact that we're we're young in that way in this country we're young and we act much like a adolescent would we act like a freshman in high school you know what i mean we 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 still are carrying on that way and this may be part of the maturation process but i wonder if it's something that we'll we'll see entropy out of if it will eventually balance out to where there's a, a smaller and smaller need for that ridiculous like level of violence. You know, I can use any number of modern examples and I still can't work it out. And I want to know, I'll, I'll ask, you know, humbly, what part of the reality am I missing? Well, I, I you have to level all of Baghdad. You like, like they don't even know how the place was built. It's so weird. The mud mud built like that ancient technique of built like why how, why was that necessary if all you wanted was oil you know what i mean like 
we speak of almost like societal and biological imperatives, but then we have inexplicable, unsophisticated behavior because of that. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like, how can you be so smart to make a Scud missile, but you made a Scud missile? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, well, am, it, what am I misunderstanding about what, what I think is uh, the virtue of our developed intellect, our developed consciousness? Maybe I got I, it all wrong. I think, honestly, I think it, it really comes down to things being somewhat as simple. And, you know, I'm using Kalu's air quotes on this, mm -hmm. but as simple as us having this implicit idea, um, you know, biologically, a lot of people, not us, because we understand how evolution works from a biological standpoint, but society is an extension of biology. We are a part of the natural world, whether we want to deny it or not, and the Cronus complex is, is predicated on the notion of conquering the natural world. I yep. would I would make the assertion that we, what we're seeing is this value system that is perceived under the notion of linear evolution that that our progress as a species or different different routes of progression are linear as opposed to being this branching expansive you know tree of different evolutionary paths socially speaking so when we when we see a society that that manifests all this fantastic ingenuity in in many ways like the it is it's both macabre and beautiful the machination yeah. and yeah. and ingenuity that goes into something i mean it's it's an orchestra that goes into creating something that ultimately destroys so fucking much yeah it's, it's profound and i will say yeah. that think about how many species have lived and died on this planet Think sure. uh, so many species that before we were even motherfucking here and think about how invasive species work like the red fox. If you introduce a red fox to any area across the globe where there is another fox species, they will outcompete them. They just fundamentally will outcompete them. Does that make them better? Does that make them more evolved? No. It doesn't. It it doesn't mean that. That's a very subjective thing. Sur survival of the fittest, yeah, to a degree, but you can have a creature that is so good at what it does, it works itself out of a fucking job, or mm -hmm. it, it creates mm -hmm. um it creates a burden on the on the organism that is Earth itself, like left unchecked. Though that type of ideal or that species or that subspecies or that breed or that ethnicity or that race very well left unchecked without without, unfortunately, conflict, because you're not going to nobody's ever gained. Who is it that says no one has ever gained their freedom by appealing to the sensibilities of their oppressor? Me? We're past, yeah, we're past, I was say. We're past that point. We're already yeah. past that point. We're past that point, and now a lot, a lot of them cats that would have otherwise been on loaded up on boats with bronze weapons, getting ready to go and pillage and take over and expand, are now wearing suits and ties and shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they already holding the cards, right? Just like Kalu said, we have the resources, mm -hmm. and 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 we talk about violence. 
they've even fucked up our perception of what violence is when violence doesn't even necessarily have to be some spectacle. Violence, violence is exactly what you say is depriving people of their basic human rights. Whenever the resources are there, Mm -hmm. uh, depriving human beings of, you know, housing, food, clean water, inoculations, if they need inoculations, the basics, that's violence in and of itself. So what we're experiencing now in a society that's good and we'll say is good, the more people that we have on this planet, the more people are going to ultimately get shit on. And if you look, you look at the numbers and, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to come from a different fucking direction because I work with people that, um, exist in terms in, in not, in totality, but it exists in terms of, you know, growing up in the Bronze Age or the the Iron Age or something like that. They mm-hmm. they have to utilize a different form of ingenuity than has ever been manifested anywhere else on the planet. So I see these folks on a regular ass basis, and I'm like, okay, you know, our perception of what's good and how society functions, like our homeless. You know, if you look at our homeless population, a lot of them are pretty thick. Like, they ain't really starving to death. You you don't see that amongst a lot of people that are housing insecure, at least in my experience. But they're still being hung out to dry. And, and our population, in our city alone here in Bowling Green, in the past four years, our homeless population has doubled. And part of that, we, we can ac- account for... Um, Programs like mine, agencies like mine, doing that, doing a good ass job and word of mouth, you know, spreading to places like Nashville that, yo, because um, I know it's bad in Nashville, too. There's a yeah, huge pretty, homeless population in Nashville. A lot of cats is coming up from Nashville to Bowling Green because we're I mean, compared to a lot of places in the United States, we are whooping ass. But more and more people are being are housing insecure. In the modern world, we have the highest incidence of um, food insecurity mm-hmm. for children. In the United States, we have the highest incidence of that. And again, Kalu very much stated it plain as day. We have the resources to take care of it, but we don't. That's violence. And, and now it's being manifested by people in suits that are fucking smiling at us about it. But the moment did the shit hits the fan them same people that have the suits and ties on i'm not saying they gonna be out fighting but they have contingency plans out to ass you know they have the they have accrued that's why that's why it's such a ominous sign for for me the disparity at no point in the history of our country uh has there ever been such a gap between the highest ses and the middle class and low SES never. And it gets it, they keep getting further and further away. And that to me is kind of the canary in the coal mine. I feel like a lot of individuals have accepted, and if not just accepted, have have full on embraced the fact that we are headed for some sort of collapse. I don't know how to define it. I don't know when it's going to happen, what it's going to look like. But the powers that be, people that have their their finger on the pulse of global 
goings on are hoarding and hoarding and hoarding. And, and yeah, we've talked about how that could be construed as some kind of mental malady in and of itself that you have to keep on doing that. But to me, when you have an eight, eight billion people and it's, the population's increased eight times over in 200 years and it's accelerating. Um, not, not at, at as a profound a pace as it has in the past, yeah. but we still continue to add people to the world population. Mm-hmm. We still continue to deplete resources. Our infrastructure is centered around fossil fuels, which are finite. Dude, this is to me, and again, this is just me. It has it has nothing to do on my part um, of wanting violence or or reverting to violence. And I, you know, I'm of a very blended ancestry. Like my ancestors, my my ethnicity, my racial identity is, you know, legit three hundred years old, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Three three four hundred years old at the most. Um. But you know, I, I have, I have that violent predilection. I have, I have the capacity to switch into that mode of, okay, we're gonna do this. We, we fixing to fucking do this. But at the same time, I seek, I seek peace. I look for peace. I mitigate violence. I mitigate suffering as much as I possibly can with the, out here with with the populations that I fucking serve and I see that there's no vested interest in fixing any of these problems and to me that looks that looks like a push to again let nature I'm again air quotes let nature take its course because even if even if they skyscrapers even if they flat screen TVs it's weird to say but it's still nature because we are nature and what we create by default becomes nature. Um, that nature will take its course. Cataclysm sure. will occur. And those that are best insulated from that kind of shit are going to be the ones that that are able to survive and pass those fucking genes on. Think about the number of people that we have in this country, specifically this country, yeah, that are on medication that they have to have in order to survive yeah they're gone immediately out out Mm -hmm. the window gone immediately think about people that have to have electricity some sort of machine uh, just a machine in order to facilitate their existence they're fucking gone i even think about me like i take zyrtec y'all i take motherfucking zyrtec and i think Shit, it's a fan. I'm going to just have to figure out something like I walk around here sneezy or adjust my diet or change locations or whatever it may be. But that's me. And I and I run around in the woods with a machete on a regular basis and a firearm and flip over rocks and like look up the caloric value of a uh, of earthworms and all kinds of wild shit, like all Mm -hmm. kinds of bullshit. And. And I feel so unprepared. Y'all, I feel enormously unprepared. And I have so many people coming to me about shit because they they feel the winds of of something ominous breezing in. A lot of and I'll say liberals. A lot of liberals that I've been preaching this, look, man, I'm not saying never have I encouraged violence from for anybody, but 
be handy, be formidable, you know, be able to handle your business. And now I've got never in my life have I had so many left wing, left of center, liberal, whatever you want to call these cats hitting me up, asking me questions related to firearms, survival, things like that. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here like, yo, I really don't have my shit together at all. So I know that if these people that are in my inbox are hitting me up now at this point in the game, they really don't have a shit together. And they're, they're even taking the initiative to reach out. The mm-hmm. majority are not. The majority are content getting on Facebook, throwing likes on everybody's page about like, oh, I love your outfit and your hair and all this. You got to think that, 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 other human beings and and part of the Cronus complex and the derivation of a genetic predisposition towards, you know, lack of empathy as a means of survival is cutting your losses and human beings being liabilities. Even think about like societies and the I guess Northern European societies, and it, it it's not just Northern European societies, but they've been very influential in you know. United States. We are a Eurocentric society in the United States. But think about that they would send their elders off like once they got past the point where they were no longer useful and they were a liability, all they were doing is taking up food and you know, boo-booing on themselves occasionally. They'd send them motherfuckers off to, you know, sacrifice themselves by jumping off a cliff or some shit like that. It wasn't Mm -hmm. an uncommon thing. And Mm -hmm. again, it's not specific to Northern European societies, but that's in us. And, 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 and Mark did make an excellent point and I'll have to, um, I'll have to walk back some of my shit because our genetics, you know, since we are relative, a relatively long lived species with a long gestational period and a long childhood, our genetics devoid of the epigenetic elements, other things like that, are not going to change as profoundly over time as compared to other domestic species. That's just a fact. So we, we are prop we're far less different genetically. We're, we're identical damn near genetically to motherfuckers like, you know, a couple hundred years ago. It's not that big of a fucking deal. Mm-hmm. You have to go back a hundred thousand years ago in order to see a real, significant difference in things but you even see and i and i swear i'll wrap this shit up pretty quick but you even see things like atony atony is something and this was something that was studied in uh in a sociological context as it relates to human beings atony is very quite simply lack of of muscularity lack of muscle tone hmm. and you see it occur in domestic species. The more domesticated a species becomes, unless you're breeding specifically for like a myostatin deficiency, like big beef cattle that have tons of muscles and shit, unless you're breeding specifically for that, most domesticated species, dogs, um, whatever it may be, and humans begin to manifest atony Antonius body structures because it's no longer needed. The grueling existence that once was 
isn't isn't the same type of potentiality. If you look at muscle connections, like on our Paleolithic ancestors, which were all, all around like mine and Mark's size, like height wise, is like me and Mark would be like big dudes back in the day. If you look at the the places where the ligaments attached on the bones, far larger than what you see now. And, and you could say that, yeah, part of that is growing up in a grueling environment, but a big part of that also is genetic predisposition towards, hey, you're going to be born into a world of X, Y, and Z, so we're going to give you all the genetic tools that you need for yeah. that. You, you but, said that you had some friends that, that come to you. What, what kind of things are, are people saying to you? Uh, I'm I, curious what, I what have, other people's indicators have, are. I have people, and I'll say, I'll, I'll say one dude in particular, um, for for the sake of discussion, a guy that that I've, you know, known for years and years and years, has taken no interest in anything having to do with um, survivalistic type stuff, firearms, um, any of that shit. None of it. He's he's an academic. He's a poet. Yeah. He's a, he's a fucking professor. He's about my age, but, um, or our age. And he, uh, he's in my inbox, like, cause he's been out here in these protests and shit. And I admittedly, that's going to skew how you view things a bit, just like me being a public servant and working in the streets and seeing things the way I do, it's going to warp how I view things, but he's come to me. And is asking me my opinions on firearms. And whenever he's asking me about firearms, like like specific models and is, is this good and should I do this? And I'm like, well, the fact that you're answer, asking those questions, those questions come later. You have to develop an understanding of things related to the mechanization of it. Like all of my firearms, I'm not a mechanical dude. But I'm a bad motherfucker when it comes to stripping down firearms, cleaning them, reassembling them. Um, all of my shit, I know how to do that. But he's coming to me asking me all these questions about what's the best gun, what, what's that. And I'm thinking, like, it almost breaks my heart to, to say, like, bruh, you, you, the gun ain't going to do it. It ain't, it ain't the gun. It's, it's the user. And things like marksmanship, tactical training, those are depreciable skills. We have to we have to recognize, just like a lot of stuff, that that type of training and skill set degrades if it's not utilized. Mm -hmm. So unless sure. you're actively out here realistically, and I know this because I know I know killers, mm -hmm. I know. So, some of the nicest motherfuckers on the planet, one cat in particular, um, and, I, and I won't call him a killer because he ain't a killer, but he, goddamn, he could be uh, um, uh, Mr. Bushong, Clint Bushong, who mm -hmm. is part of Grade 8 Performance, one of the most fantastic tactical shooters probably on Earth. Mm -hmm. um, and I see what he does this man has a range set up right off of his back porch. Dirt piled up behind it, you know, so it's catching rounds. And then he's got 
you know, the different targets set up. And he walks out. This motherfucker can just walk out on his back porch and ting, 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 ting. I'm talking about 50 yards with a pistol, just plap, plap, plap on an area the size of your fist. Yeah. In repetition. And I see that and I speak to him. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that even if I were to train once a week, just once a fucking, like, if I'm a, tra- and that seems like a lot to me because that's, uh, that's ammo. I bet if I turn the gun sideways, I could outshoot. <laughs> hey, here's something I want to add in there really quick. I think that um, one of the key differences possibly with your friend that is um, that I think we need to make a, a note of really falls in line with one of the things that you said, Chris, when we had uh, Steve on the show and, and you said you get your guns back if you go far enough left. Right. So here's the thing. One of you also mentioned that he was out there in the protests and stuff. What I what I'm starting to see a lot of people as you get deeper into the cause, as you become more and more radicalized, you realize that it's a cause. If it if it's a cause worth dying for, it's a cause worth killing for. It's a cause worth defending, mm-hmm. defending yourself for. This is the same. This is no. This is why it's very. If you see these. You know, some of the white supremacists there, they've been on that level for years. Yeah. Like they're ready yeah. to kill someone for it. Oh, yeah. This comes down yeah. to their cause and that the, yeah. the left or the progressive or whatever you want to call it is finally getting to this point where it's like, oh, I have to if I want to beat the monster, I have to become one, too. And I think that it's 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 just a that, that was bound to happen. You know, like, I don't know if this is kind of a thing of like they're realizing that shit is is like crazy they're just realizing, oh, you've got to fight fire with fire. That's kind of how it is. Like these people, like I said, the white supremacy, they're willing to die for their cause. And they, they have so much power right now because at this moment, they're seeing that a lot of the left are they're good at talking, but that's about it. When it comes time to kill something, you know, you don't see you don't see the you don't see any of those people shooting back, you know? Well well, and tell me why. Tell me why I mm-hmm. am I can joke about well I can look I can look in a Republican motherfucker square in the eye and be like I am a Marxist. Mm-hmm. And they and they know me well enough. Like they know they've, they've been, been around to fear me. Marxism. Huh? They've been taught to fear everyone's been taught to fear Marxism. Everyone's well, been taught to fear all they, that. They have and and they don't know what it means. It's not yeah. equitable with being a communist, but yeah. Um, there, it, it's a different. It's not even the same category of thing. Like one's mm-hmm. theoretical and one is a system of governance. Yeah. Like it's it's a different fucking thing. But I can look them straight in the fucking eye and be like, I am I'm a Marxist. I'm a Weberian. Like I love you know Marxist Weberian theory. Like that's mm-hmm. what the fuck I am. And I get a pass. Yeah. They don't. They don't fuck with me. They're like, oh no, Chris is cool. Chris, Chris is cool. Whereas yeah. these uh, these other cats that aren't as far left as me, that yeah. aren't aren't the real boogeyman to them. The they're, they're nothing. They're harmless. They're just they just want to live their lives for real. They want to live a contrived existence to mm-hmm. me. But mm-hmm. those are the ones that they put up. And, and and that's what's hilarious to me is like, why am I not the enemy to you? Because to be quite honest with you, I'm far more dangerous to you 
um, yeah. or to, to your value system, not yeah. to that individual, than any of these motherfuckers that are out here. But I, I think it's, it would take a decade for yeah. any meaningful amount of people of, um, of the counterpoint to maintaining white supremacy. And when I say maintaining white supremacy, I feel like it's a better way of encapsulating a larger group of people that otherwise, you know, would just get simply labeled as white supremacist. And then, you know, we would be labeled as being hysterical about some shit because there are a lot of people that the three of us could sit and have a beer with and be just fine around Mm-hmm. or whatever, but that motherfucker at the end of the day still upholds white supremacy. Their ideals yeah. still uphold white supremacy and they don't realize it. They yeah. All they think is, well, my America is the only America. That this was, it was founded on this. These are the value systems that I hold, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when you say the group of maintenance of white supremacy, to me, that's that's an empowering way of addressing it because it doesn't really point a finger at anybody in particular, and yeah. it doesn't assign that that you know racial scarlet letter of like when you call somebody a white supremacist. That's that's uh, the N word for white people is saying yeah. calling them a racist or calling them a white supremacist. Yeah, they they will get they are ready. They are super mad. That is one of the most upsetting mm-hmm. things. Did you like if, if a motherfucker called any one of us racist, we would laugh and be like, "Yeah, kinda." Yeah, like, that's, like a little bit. Yeah, like we'll yeah. fuck. Yeah, I'm I'm a little racist, you know. <laughs> here and there about some shit. Yeah. Um, and but but that's the thing is is the way that we're approaching all of this. Um. The, the protests, the counter-protests, what all's going on in the fucking world, we are so completely and utterly disjointed from one another. Solidarity is non-existent. And I just really, really have a hard time believing that, um, you know, like Kalu said, I, and I'm on board with you, Mark. Like, mm-hmm. I, I believe what you're saying, Mark, 100% about, and, and you were willing to even play devil's advocate with yourself. Like, you were being sincere. You're like, what am I missing here? Well, I, I've been I've been wrestling with it, like I said, since sophomore and junior year in high school. So I am happy to discover uh, that, oh, man, I'll have this wrong. And there's been developments in that direction as I've matured about a lot of things that, you know, you're raised to think are a matter of fact, just being a black male. And a lot of it's bullshit, you know, but there are still, but there, there is still just a, a couple of very minute things that, that I can't make sense of. And I'm still working on those things. And, and one of them is that, that biological imperative though the one that says that you know this this behavior is a part an inevitable part of our um biology and the kinds of creatures that we are and it's unavoidable and then that's just the, the end the end of the uh the the sentence it always ends there but there's never even a, a door open to to like examine and talk about the results of that 
disposition, upholding that disposition. You just do this like, oh, well, it's amazing that that like we can do that thing mentally in our heads. And I and I think that's not true for the entire planet's population. And I'm curious as to why. To me, it's like an oil and water effect, you know. Or the oil will dominate one drop of oil ruins a whole glass of water and it will dominate the whole glass of water. It becomes brown liquid after that. You know what I mean? I don't mean to uh, to supply any kind of uh uh uh, cardinal qualities like one's better than the other. I'm not saying good and bad. I'm not talking white or black. I'm just saying there's a there's like a difference in how the re, the way we perceive reality between very minority group of people on the planet and the majority of the rest of the people on the planet. And so if if we if that's not true, then okay, put all that aside. The question still remains to me, do do we ever get any better? Taking all that aside, pretending that I don't have that question mark in my own head, does does it ever get any better? That's also something that no one ever can seem to talk about. It's just like a oh well kind of thing. Oh well. I, I think well, that go go ahead, huh. Chris. Well, it and and that's the thing is you know, I, I look back and, and I think this is Grecian and and derivation, but the the, the the individual who is both an academic and a warrior, and I think the problem resides, phenomenologically speaking, it mm-hmm. resides with violence by like bypassing all of these channels and going directly to violence as the default response to something versus violence as a tool kind of like um an immune response like we have say we've got a civilized fucking society and you take it take somebody like me and i and i don't i don't want to sit here and wax poetic and act like i'm some noble human being but i come from very specifically you know bred individuals appalachian mixed race appalachian americans who were persecuted you know, in mainstream society. So they built their societies on the fringe of conventional Eurocentric societies. And they're the, the reason why we were able to proliferate and actually afford respite for people of color in our communities and, and, and absorb and share genetics and, and become what, what we were. Cause we're, basically fucking going extinct now which you know it is what it fucking is we're getting we're just being absorbed because it's not necessary in Appalachia to do that kind of shit anymore but our existence in that context within that few hundred years that we developed into what we were was was very much predicated on violence as a response that's why they didn't come up into the fucking foothills and mess with us and that's what they, there was no use. The juice was not worth the squeeze to go and fuck with the melungeons. Mm-hmm. Now, again, melungeon is a was a bad word. Like yeah. the word melungeon isn't something my people invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also and I may have said it before. Uh, we were referred to as rakes. R-A-K-E-S rakes. Um, and I don't know what the derivation of that shit is either, but these are terms that, that we were given just like the, the Cherokee, the Cherokee don't call themselves Cherokee, right? They're, you know, uh, they're on 
I believe, if, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's Aniuia. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what we did as, as a group, and it's gotten real fucking weird here lately. God damn, white people wanting to be exotic and parade around a Melungeon ancestor and be like, I'm Melungeon, and I'm sitting over here being actually Melungeon. And I want to yeah. be inclusive, but at the same time, part of me is a little disgusted. Like, I'm like, people are dog, doing dog, that. You're not. Like, well, everyone's searching for an identity right now. They are. And, and, and part of our culture was centered on inclusivity. So mm-hmm. anybody that wanted to be a part of us and contribute to the cause and not be a liability and not imbibe in their white privilege was invited in. Like we was we was down with that shit. But again, I've gone down this rabbit hole on this. But the thing is, is my ancestors, and then now with me and my parents, my grandparents, it wasn't to seek violence. It was to to broker peace, to defend. We are we're not attackers. We're not conquerors. But we're fer- ferocious fucking sentinels. For things like it's it's it it feels like my duty not not to go and be a shepherd or the captain of the ship i have no desire it sounds like a nightmare to hold dominion over other people it just does it's it grosses me out not in a noble way it's just too much goddamn responsibility it's pointless like i don't want to live my life that way but man it's deep in my motherfucking blood when i see a bully picking on somebody that can't fucking defend themselves or again, violence against groups and individuals that can't defend themselves. It elicits this response of Chris violence is now the answer. Yeah. And I think, and I, I I see part of that being a, uh, being a, a solution, but I also think that, they, that the if you want to call it the power class, the ruling class, or whatever, they've 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 got multiple levels of ways to keep us satiated. The, that very moment when we're ready to to blow some shit up, they'll be like, "It happened this summer." That re- that moment we we're ready to really mess some shit up in DC. They're like, "Okay, okay, okay, we'll, we'll rename the street Black Lives Matter Boulevard." Oh, oh, oh God, crisis averted. You know what I mean? Like, there's gonna be something that they're going to do like there has to be a point where we say we are not taking any more stuff like and and i don't know if society is is ever going to be pushed to that point because there are just like we've been saying there's so many different comforts out there and while like i've said before i i would love to see that chaos just because i'd like to see what the new image or the new society looks like but right now my thing or or my way to to or the reason why i believe that 20 that it's that it might not get that bad is a because of the the privilege i have and and having a slight understanding of how the game goes but b i have a willingness to learn how to play that game because i i don't want to i don't want to be any of the people kind of like what you're talking about i'll just learn to play the game let me let me ask y'all a question where where globally where are the most densely populated areas near water okay 
What's fixing to happen in the next three decades? Ice caps will melt. Yeah. So we know for a fucking fact that a lot of people are going to be displaced over Mm -hmm. the next three decades. And that's not just it. Like, if you look at the Midwest, the climate is shifting dramatically. And we give a fuck about arguing the political elements of climate change. I mean, goddamn, like, we, we passed that point. But we look at a slight rise in sea level puts an enormous amount of people out of their homes. Mm. So then they have to go and occupy new areas. Going and occupying new areas, any way you fucking cut it, gentlemen, even even if both groups on their own and where they were at were not problematic whatsoever, when cultures clash, they do exactly that. Like when cultures come in contact with each other, I can't think of a single time in history where cultures have met up like been thrown in the mix together and shit just been hunky fucking dory. Mm -hmm. It's always been some kind of bid for it's, it's an opportunistic element for one or the perception of, of their, this is my land. This is, this belongs to me. And then you coming in here is putting not only my land and my potential resources and people like me in jeopardy, but also, you're threatening my way of life because this belongs to me. This is my shit. And we're talking about within the... So, so we just say that within the United States. Because think about how we act about immigrants in general. Unless they're from, like, Canada or Europe or Australia or some shit. Mm-hmm. How we act about brown immigrants in motherfucking general. It's... There is... And I don't give a fuck. People can get mad at me all they want to... White people are afraid of not existing as white people. Like, I am mostly of European descent. Like, you know, I'm Mediterranean a whole lot, so there's some weird shit in there. But I got a a fair amount of Northern European, a little bit of Scandinavian blood, and then, you know, like 17% West Africa. So I got this blend of shit. Well, you know, I grew up kind of being somewhat a-racial. Like, I'm like, I didn't play no role in this. My ancestors ain't play no role in this. If anything, like, my people were shit on. Um, But no part of me or my family's value system or anything like that. Don't even cross my mind the idea. And and we're not talking about white genocide because that's some corn dog ass histrionics in and of itself. But we cannot ignore that there is a genuine fear among white people that that white people aren't going to exist and and that's that is etched in fucking stone that people want to maintain some a lot a lot of people want to maintain some modicum of of racial identity and homogeny to a degree even i would like i would prefer a world where we're all like somewhere you know beige brown what what the fuck ever like i don't give a fuck like if if in 300 years we were all like mark's skin color that would be ideal in my opinion because i'm like all right you all really gonna have to figure out some other arbitrary ass reason to hate a motherfucker over this shit but 
But if you think about it again, white people, just like my just like my tribe, y'all, like Melungeons, there's an inevitable period where what once was a very specific thing that I'm very proud of. I'm proud of being motherfucking Melungeon. You know, what my people have, have gone through, what we've stood for. Um, and, and we can't deny white people pride in themselves. We can, deny, we, can, we can flip them the bird when they're just proud to be white, which means being proud to not be a person of color. Yeah. But you cannot deny a white person their pride. And if I'm sitting here in front of y'all telling y'all, man, part of me is is sad. Like, like they're they ain't gonna be no more of me. Like, and if they just ain't. We happened, we were we were a culture. We were We a had people. a good run, guys. Hey, we we killed I, a lot of people. I, w- I wish we could. I wonder. That's what I wonder. I wonder if people knew that. I wonder if when Darwin got back from his expedition, if he, if, if Cecil Rhodes and them figured that out. I wonder that if they said, okay, look, we got a short run because our own science has shown us that, oh, we're going to have to, we're going to evolve or be adapted or amalgamated into the darker races just because of the way the sunlight interfaces with our biology it is necessary to be melanated to be survived and so if if that's the case yeah it's only gonna gonna be be even more yeah well i I wonder that i wonder if if, because if that was the motivation for certain measures being taken to maintain the uh solvency of a particular subset of the human family in its phenotypical existence you want to stay like we are i don't i think that's okay i think we can pull that off too without without a lot of unnecessary uh, conflict. <laughs> I think that's yeah. perfectly fine to say, hey, we're white people. We like being white people. We like what we have, we have contributed to the planet, and we want to continue with conquest and living the way we want to live. We want to go to the moon. We want to go to the Mars. We want to do the wild shit. Okay. Does that also include that you have to do it at the expense of the whole planet? Or do you pace yourself and do that in a way that doesn't spell doom and gloom for the whole party i I think the only group of people that can do that are are and are are doing it well are in the nordic countries like they they're at a point where it's cool to marry another swede you know what i mean like it's not even so much at a point where it's like it's a necessity and 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 i learned this from one of my my neighbors who's uh he's polish and he was just like no we've we've had this mindset change where it's like no longer a need it's like that's just a cool thing to do marry someone that looks like you you know and uh like when when that level or if you want to call that level that has an undertone of a little bit of i don't want to say hatred prejudice or something like that when that goes away and it's just a cool thing to do it's like hey just be with someone that's also swedish or be with someone that's also polish or something like that then i i can think they can sustain it because they also know that the only place it works is in their own country. <laughs> like it's not going to work anywhere else. Well, that's a white and that's a white ass fucking country. Look, I went yeah. to, and, and we have to admit that the Nordic countries, you saw some of the most culturally profound manifestations of human eugenics in, you know, antiquity, I guess you would call it antiquity. 
in the Nordic tribes. Like they, their society was very much centered upon who was the, you know, biggest, strongest, fastest, baddest motherfuckers. Like eugenics, they're healthy people. They're they're phenomenal fucking athletes. And so, honestly, like in modern, and and I I went to prom with a Swedish girl. She came over here. And she went chocolate crazy, dog. Like, from me all the way to the most chocolatiest brother that ever existed, she came over here and had never really been around, you know, a mud blood like me or black dudes or anything like that. And she loved it. She was just like, I just like all these, you know, beige and brown-skinned men and shit like that. But when you go to Sweden, there's it's mostly just white people like when i went to germany it was just white people motherfucking everywhere and if they wasn't white i assume they were a gi mm-hmm. and oftentimes they was a motherfucking gi i when i spent time now i will say france is france is pretty black there's there's quite a there's a significant population of brown skin folks in france um they they're really really uh the 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 contention there with the Muslim population is really uh, a, a kind of a fucked up situation in and of itself. Y'all remember the Charlie Hebdo thing? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, did you all, and I, I don't know if you all had, had really read into it. Are you all familiar with, with what Charlie Hebdo is? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. Like yeah. Periodical, he's, he's a, wasn't it? Yeah. And, but wasn't it in France? It is. It's a French yeah, periodical, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. Do you know what Charlie Hebdo is, though? I don't know like what, what he is, but I knew what, that he just drew a picture of Muhammad. Well, no, what kind of what kind of periodical it is? Oh, is it satirical or something? Uh, it's like the Sun. Ah, oh. like you know, we walk by and we get ready to check out at Walgreens, and mm-hmm. we see like the National Enquirer and the Sun and all this, and it's just like it's inflammatory bullshit for the most part and people oh, that, okay. yeah so people that live in france this is an interesting thing that i learned the other day there have been multiple 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 countless fucking depictions of muhammad over the years there have been yeah. they yeah. they're not they're not in mosques and it's the same thing with um uh Jude, Jude, judaism you don't depict God, you know, you, you don't depict, you know, your religious figure in terms of of like some kind of anthropomorphic, you know, you're not going to depict it. It's just not part of it. Even Jehovah's Witnesses, which share some doctrinal commonalities with Judaism, it's considered idolatry to have manifestations of, all right, well, this is supposed to be God. Jehovah's Witnesses don't view Jesus as God, though. They view Jesus as a separate, the son of God, a separate thing. Anyway, Charlie Hebdo was deliberately disrespectful, deliberately inflammatory with that shit. Because, like, they're, the, South Park. You remember when South Park depicted Muhammad? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. And they yeah, made... And they made Muhammad seem like the baddest motherfucker that ever lived. Like, Muhammad was super cool. They didn't receive no fucking backlash over that. The yeah. reason why Charlie Hebdo stirred up the fucking crazies, the, the religious zealots, 
is because it was a disparaging image, not because that there's this enormous widespread global tattoo, tattoo, taboo amongst the second um, most populous religion on the planet. That's mm-hmm. not a widespread thing. You can depict Muhammad Hour of the fuck. As long as you're not disparaging about it, you probably ain't gonna piss nobody the fuck off. But yeah. Anyway, that's just a little tidbit. That ain't even super duper related to all of our shit. But a lot of people were like, I stand with Charlie Hebdo. And the more I researched it, the more I was like, You're a fucking idiot. Why was you stand? Yeah. That's like I stand with the National Enquirer. Yeah, it's like right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, if right. they showed it, look, if if the National Enquirer put a picture of Jesus showing his beehole on the front and then some like super, super right wing religious individual wild out and shot a cartoonist for the National Enquirer that did that shit. Would anybody be motherfucking surprised? No, no, no. no. But for some reason, there's a bid to denigrate a religion that is overwhelmingly brown folks and make them seem like that they're violent if you yeah. depict their fucking their their I get it. deity whatever but so anyway. let's 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 wrap this up let's i want to get some final thoughts obviously it it doesn't maybe it seems like we've shifted a tiny bit in our in our concept of uh, of 2020 being worse not so bad or could be worse um but I do, I do want to say for my last statement, like, yes, things are different in terms of our capacity to handle things compared to how it was in the past. But I think we would be foolish to forget that that stuff or to carry on like that shit didn't happen before. Um, And just like they were able to get past it, I think that we also have a way to get past, you know, this year in in, in a way. and, And by get past, I don't mean like, just make it be 2021 and 2020 is over. You know what I'm saying? We'll be feeling the the ramifications and the effects of 2024 a long time. But I think that we should look to the past to hopefully see like, you know, they, they were somewhat able to get past their shit and maybe we can do the same. And, and um, that's going to be how I think that we kind of move forward. And, you know, when the next big thing happens, they'll be, you know, they'll say, Oh, you know, compared to, Compared to 2020, you know, you know, 2087 isn't that terrible, or maybe they will be. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I just want to say, don't forget the shit that happened before. <laughs> well, I'll say in closing, um, you know, I, 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 I even dream about. I mean, and this might be hubris on my part, but I, I often feel like I, I was born in the wrong era in some ways, you know, like I, I think about the idea of existing subsisting in the fucking, you know, temperate rainforests of Appalachia and shit like that. Like, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just not, this ain't really my bag, but you know, I'm, I'm capable. I'm gonna do it. Everything's fine. But that's the thing with me is that everything is fine. And even if shit hits the fucking fan, I'm not going to say, um, you know, shit hits the fan. Shit will get dangerous real quick, but I'm more well-equipped than most individuals. I just am seeing all of the writing on the wall between 
Um, we not even looking at climate change or anything more than sea levels rising and displacing people in coastal areas to where they're going to move in inland. Um, also, famine. And I know that we have the food now, but whenever the climate shifts and areas that were once prime farmland in the Midwest are going to turn into a goddamn dust bowl again, people turn to conflict. And I can't see... I can't see us rounding a corner with 8 billion people on this planet and and living the way we do because what, the way we're living right now is not sustainable already. The way we live in the United States is not sustainable. The amount of refuse that we produce that's not recyclable or us being able to utilize it in any kind of meaningful capacity, it's not really there. We just waste and waste and waste. Um, I just, I don't, I would rather um, prepare for the worst and hope for the best than get caught with my pants down. And the two reasons why I guess I look at things, well, three reasons. One, it's just built into my DNA and my culture to behave this way. It only makes sense. You know, I'm just. It's how I'm fucking hardwired to survive and be skeptical, distrustful, mm -hmm. aloof, kind of a wild animal of a human being about stuff. But I see all these people just oblivious. Like, their reality is not the reality for the majority of human beings. They have the luxury of contriving or creating their own reality around them. Our, the, the shoulders that we, of which we stand on have facilitated that and made for soft-ass motherfuckers that are like, look at all these deviled eggs that I made. I've, you know, I've gotten really good at blah, blah, blah. and Look, man. Like, you make love, another fucking comment about deviled eggs, dude. I'll fucking fight you. I'll look. I'll look I was about to say I love goddamn deviled eggs. Okay. But I'm not on... But bitch, look, I'm not on Facebook celebrating my ability to, to do that. I'm on Facebook bitching about like, look, go do some push-ups, go to the range, figure out in your local area, your wooded area, what's edible, what's not edible, that kind mm -hmm. of shit. But yeah, built into my fucking DNA, built into my cultural value system that was passed down to me from multiple men and women of color who who made a point of being ambiguous about the shit, but always saying, you are not white. You are mm. not like them. And and you take enormous pride. My Uncle George's book, and I've probably mentioned it before, well, one of my Uncle George Kilborn's books was the people of the Big Stone Gap were different. And they took that as an enormous point of pride and difference. And that was a direct, direct reference to our racial ambiguity and the fact that we were like, nah, bitch, we'd rather die than play by your fucking rules. So that, the fact that I see all these ho-ass motherfuckers, don't matter what your political affiliation is. I see it on the right. I see it on the left. Uh, acting like. This is reality. When it's not, man, you need to scale it back. Reality is being able to to bake your own bread, fucking, you know, tend your own garden and things like that. And then thirdly, 
what I do for a living. Not not owning a moving company because that's that's fucking that's been a respite. But uh, but being a public servant and seeing how literally, gentlemen, seeing how the most vulnerable members of our society exist and seeing the numbers and seeing how they're increasing and seeing how overwhelmed our systems that are supposed to be set up to address that shit are and are going to continue to become that way and things are accelerating. I just do not see things. I think things are going to get worse before they get better. And I think that we're headed towards an inevitable fucking collapse. Whether that happens in our lifetime, that's debatable. But I'm pretty sure it's fucking going to come in our lifetime. I think it's coming in the next two decades. Sure. Mark, where do you stand right now? After this uh, conversation, uh, well, yeah, after this conversation, I still, I still have the, the, the same questions, and um, I'm still going to have to continue to work toward getting a, a, a better understanding of, of what, what the limitations of our uh, perceptions are as a collective, as, a, as a, a human family, because that seems to be a big hurdle for us, you know. We, we have a hard time taking care of one another, but we've all got the exact same needs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I only, I'm, I'm left only wondering if uh, the inevitable collapse and the ebb and flow of societal structures, if it ever balances out and we, we find kind of a, a middle ground. Cause when you think about the, the population numbers, I didn't realize that we went from uh, one billion to eight billion in such a short amount of time. That's that's crazy, man. Something's got to give, and um, if not, then we may have longer to go toward reaching uh, that balance that I that I fantasize about. Then perhaps I, I realize. I just wonder um, what that will look like. Got maybe it. maybe it's much much more time. You know, maybe it's two hundred years. Instead of just fifty, you know. Well, can, can I say something else real quick? That's kind of mm-hmm. stupid, but also kind of interesting. I've been yeah. rewatching uh, Supernatural, like binge watching Supernatural, and they keep on referencing, you know, Armageddon and the end of days, because that's the theme of the fucking show, right? Mm-hmm. They keep on saying that <clears throat> the fate of six billion people rests in your hands. This is a show that hasn't been, I, I mean, how old is this show? 12 years, 10, 10 years old? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's been running for a while, several seasons, but no more than 12 years old at the most, right? Yeah. Say 2008, maybe something like that. Um, fuck, maybe a little bit longer. Regardless, since Supernatural has been on air, the show Supernatural has been on air. We have increased the world population by 2 billion people. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, though, too. The, um, you know, I was just looking up the growth rate. It's kind of gone up and down. And right now it's it, it has gone down. But just so you know, we're at over 80 million people born every year. So if, if just so that gives you a little bit of context on you know and and if you go into just urban population of the world for that's in 2020 it's estimated 4.3 
seven billion people are in urban population. The rest are in just rural ass areas. You know what I mean? Which is a uh, pretty pretty interesting to think about. And it and at least half of those um, those areas are coastal. At least. Oh, I, I would say so. Yeah. I think that's I a modest so. estimate. But. Yeah. So that's that's interesting stuff. All right. So do we have any uh, shameless shouts before we jump off here? Well, always shameless shout out to the homie Tyler Young at Grade Eight Performance. I think he's pretty well filled up on slots, but um, he was he was running a Black Friday special. Fantastic for a whole year, um, and actually you end up getting like several weeks for free because he does his in increments of like, you know, so many weeks, 24 weeks, whatever, but like a week doesn't fall into, or a year doesn't fall into a neat little paradigm like that. So for an entire year, he was offering his um, programming and training services for $400. Um, I'm fairly certain that's over with, Mm -hmm. but, and I'm fairly certain that he's got a full plate but goddamn, if you have any goals, they don't have to be strongman related. They don't have to be powerlifting related. Whatever kind of physical preparedness type goals that you're interested in, mm-hmm. slide into uh, Grade Eight Performances inbox on Facebook, um, Instagram. Uh, Tyler Young Strongman, hit him up on there. See what he can offer you. Also, like I, I said, we've got uh, uh, Mr. Clint Bushong, who is an incredibly accomplished tactician and marksman with small arms. Um, he's on board. He's offering classes at levels one and two currently, I believe, and just had his first class uh, last Sunday. Um, yeah. I also will be offering um, Nature Walk, like wilderness preparedness tours starting this spring they're going to be i'm going to call them mushroom tours because it's kind of funny people you know they'll think oh what kind of mushroom but yeah this coming spring i'm going to be offering tours of different areas that and and i'm going to be blowing my own spot up because i'm going to be showing people you know where i go and i hunt mushrooms and i'm not going to be uh picking them i'm just going to be instructing and verifying and letting people keep what they they find so uh that's going to be starting this spring if you're interested in um and doing that it'll be uh 25 per person um i'm gonna need at least four people at a time no more than eight uh to sign up and um yeah, $25 per person for two hours of, and I mean, it's a crash course in what it is to hunt mushrooms, how to go about hunting mushrooms, and how to not kill yourself whenever you're looking for mushrooms, doing that in the spring, and then also I'm going to be offering a very different one in the summer and then the fall, and they're all centered around what season yields what type of edible mushroom edible um you know oxalis root any kind of shit like that so hit up grade eight performance we got you if you need anything heavy moved hit up raw power moving service or on facebook at raw power movers if you got it we can lift it so hit, hit us up 
that's all I got sweet well guys I really do appreciate your time and attention as always um, this was a fun I thought this was a fun discussion um, I do think that we, we all have a lot to learn about about this year and we probably have a ton of different thoughts so if you do have any thoughts concerning 2020 don't hesitate to reach out uh, I'd love to be able to continue this conversation and see where you guys think uh, so as always just hit us up on Instagram that's at the Salomas podcast uh, hit us up on Facebook just type in the Salomas podcast on there go to our website www.thesalomas.com and if you want to hear any different episodes just add slash podcast or click the link that says listen and you'll see just a link of all or a page with all of our different episodes on there so i hope everyone is safe i hope you guys uh had a good thanksgiving and ate like whores the way i did and you're probably paying for it right now so out of a uh, dog bowl you did you dirty bitch i didn't eat out of a dog yeah you're right yeah you did you had someone <laughs> cussing at you like yeah you, <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> motherfucker i'm just like <laughs> It's been it's been crazy. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to. I've been having more reactive workouts than proactive ones, and so I'm I'm glad to, I'm glad that that shit is over because I've been like, oh god, I ate so bad. I'm gonna go work out and kill myself. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, now it's now that you know I've finally eaten all the leftovers out of my fridge. I can actually Look, go in and you, you know enjoy life and live. If you normal. wanna if you wanna come and, and uh, help us grow this moving company we'll cut you in even and uh on moves but you know you can't be no bitch first of all and then secondly (laughs) it it will absolutely you won't need to work out like you'll you'll work out your normal amount but bro if you come on board with this shit you'll make you some bread and you will work yourself out yeah We'll, we'll talk about it offline. We'll see. <laughs> I like where I am. He said, no. Look, I mean, I like where I am too, but man, yeah. a side hustle. Yeah. 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 No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be all ears to listen, but all right, guys, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe. Wear a fucking mask. Don't be a tool bag. And we are out. Peace. <laughs>